We're continuing in this series that I'm calling Brand New that began back on Easter. And over the past few weeks, we've been talking about how God makes us new and how God changes us from the inside out. And, and we've been talking primarily in individual terms, right? How God makes me new, how God changes me on the inside. But we've also broadened that out a little bit. We understand that it applies to, to everybody. And so we have this obligation and responsibility to share this message with the people around us that God offers to make all people new. And, and people have made decisions across the globe today to become followers of Jesus Christ, and they've been made brand new. But today I want us to take that a little bit further. We've been working through Romans chapter 8 because Romans 8 really shows us how God makes us new. And in the middle of the chapter, Paul makes a bit of a transition. He really has been focusing in on the individual and how God changes each individual. But as we come to this passage, he expands that in ways that maybe surprise us, but also show us that God's in work in, at work in much bigger ways than, than maybe we think. Now, to get at that, I'd like to, to back up and come at it from a little different direction. One of the hymns that I grew up singing, and maybe if you grew up in a church that sang hymns, you know this hymn as well. It went like this. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My, pre- my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Now, Maybe some of that rings true for you. That there's parts of the world that, man, you don't get, you don't understand, and it just feels like that's not who you are, and you're longing for something more. But you know, I think there's times when what we sing sometimes affects what we think and what we believe, what we know about our faith, maybe more than Scripture. And even though there may be a kernel of truth in that song, I think that song and ones like it have really shaped how we understand what God has created, how we understand our world, and maybe in a way that's not completely biblical. So I'd like to think about that in a little bit more biblical way today. And and the problem is, When we think about the world like that song describes it, well, you begin to think of, well, the world's just temporary, right? It's going to end up burning up in the end, and that's going to be the end of it. So this is sort of a nice place to live right now, but it's really not that important because there's going to be something else later, and we sure hope that's better than what we got now. We begin to think that we can treat the world like we as a culture treat lots of things, that if it breaks, we're done with it, it's disposable, that God's creation is disposable. Now, I don't know if it bothers you at all, but that one little statement that I just made, that God's creation is disposable. Somehow that doesn't ring true. That something God made is there for us to just use and abuse and until it's gone and then we'll throw it away and hopefully God will provide something better. God's creation is disposable. That just doesn't sound right. And I want us to hear what Scripture has to say about that. To think about that, I'd like us to to back all the way up to the beginning 
Genesis chapter 1. I mean, we're going to go from Genesis to Revelation this morning. Genesis chapter 1, account of creation. What we see is these days are labeled, this is how God created the world, created all things. Day 1, God created light. Day 2, God separates that, okay? And uh, then day 3, we have dry land separated out from the seas. And what did God say in Genesis 1.10? It's Good. The same day God created all the plants, vegetation, God said it's good. Day four, God created the lights in the sky, the sun, the moon, the stars. Genesis 1.18, God says it's good. Day five, God created the, the sea animals, the birds in the, in the sky. Genesis 1.21, God says it's good. Day six, God creates the land animals. Genesis 1.25, God says it's good. He also created humans on that day. And as God sort of looked out on all that he had done and steps back and looks at his creation, these are the words that God speaks to himself in Genesis 1.31. God saw all he had made and it was very good. It was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. God didn't say he looked out on all creation and it was okay. It doesn't say God looked out on all creation and said, well, you know, that'll be fine for a while. God looked out on all creation, on the cosmos, on us, on life, and he said, this is very good. That's the only way God could create it. And if we have this all-loving, all-powerful, all-knowing God, how could he create something that was just sort of okay? And so that whole passage in Genesis chapter 1, I think should help us understand how we see creation, how we should treat creation, how we should understand creation in terms of what Jesus says and the New Testament says about what God created as well. If you read through Genesis 1 and 2, what you also see is God giving human beings a responsibility to care for creation. We'll come back to that a little bit later. But then we take that from Genesis chapter 1 and we go over to Romans chapter 8. And so we have this, hey, it's more than don't get too excited about this, it's just creation to, man, God made this and he said it's very good, to Paul saying these words in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Before we get to that, let me get just a little bit of context in case you haven't been with us. We've been looking at how Jesus changes us, but last week we talked especially about the identity that God gives us. He changes our status before God. He makes us his children. We are adopted into the family of God with all the rights and privileges and responsibilities of every other person that's been adopted into this family. But then at the end of that passage, Paul says, hey, it's not always easy. It's not always easy to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Then this, Romans 8, verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So there's something in the future. There is something to look forward to. It's not as though God created, he stepped back and said, I hope that turns out okay. God is also working towards something in the future. And Paul says, we're going to look at all the stuff we have to go through, the difficulties of life, the things that we might say, wow, I'm having to deal with this because I'm a Christian. It doesn't seem right, but I am. 
And we're going to look back on all that when we're in the presence of the glory of God and say, well, that was really nothing. I mean, it was bad in the moment, but it led to this, being present with God and witnessing His glory. Everything else will pale in comparison. Verse 19. For creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Now, that verse it seems a little odd to us. First of all, we got creation sort of acting. Paul's doing what you know writers do. He's personifying something that is out there that's just physical. It's not a living being, creation itself. But, but he paints this picture of creation actively engaged and sort of on the edge of its seat, waiting for the children of God to be revealed. Who are the children of God? We are. That's what Paul just got finished saying. So why is creation waiting for us to be revealed, and, and aren't we visible right now? We have to remember when Paul's writing. First century, the church has just been established. It's begun to spread. Okay, Paul's partly responsible for that. Early Christians going all over the Roman Empire beginning to share the message of Jesus. And we have these little pockets of Christians that are beginning to grow. But in general, the the population of the church is, is a tiny minority of the Roman Empire. And so lots of people knew nothing about Christians or they're just like this weird sect that are you know, part of the Jews, but not part of the Jews, and we hear about them eating Jesus' body and drinking His flesh. That sounds a little weird. We don't really know what's going on there. They're just not really paid attention to by the larger culture, except when they need a scapegoat, blame the Christians. Sometimes that happened, just because they're different. And Paul's saying, listen, there's going to be a time when everyone will know who the children of God are. That time's coming. Again, he's painting that picture of the future. That time is coming. And all creation is waiting for that moment. Why? Well, the next verse answers some of that. Verse 20. For the creation was subjected to frustration. What does that mean? Not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. What's Paul saying? He's saying, listen, creation is just like you. Last week we talked about how we are corrupted because of our sin. Because we are sinners, and every one of us are, just like we've sort of carried that theme through this series, we face death. We know it's in our future. We know it's going to happen. It's happened to people that we love. We've seen it at work. We know that we will deal with it because we're sinners. It's part of the punishment of sin. And Paul is saying that our sin... And Adam's sin and Eve's sin and every person since then, all of that sin has had not only personal but cosmic implications. Now you're going, okay, I don't understand this. How does my sin have an effect on the planet Jupiter? I don't get that, okay? Paul's basically saying that sin corrupted all of creation. And because of our sin, we'll face death. And because of our sin... The whole universe is headed toward corruption and death unless God intervenes. And how does He intervene? 
by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay, it's headed for destruction, and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Paul is saying that when we witness the glory of God, in the end, when we receive our reward, when we are in God's presence, all of creation is recreated. All of creation is made new in the same way that we are made new. Now, do you see that? I'm a sinner, and because of my sin, I face death. But I am confident that after that death, there will be life. I am confident there will be resurrection because I know Jesus was raised from the dead. And what Paul's getting at is that it's not just me that will be recreated. It's not just me that will be given this new body. All of creation will be made new on that day. All of creation will be fulfilled on that day. I think that challenges some of our thinking because we want to treat the earth as disposable, but, but what Paul's saying is it's here, it's corrupted, it's going to be something different, but it will be made new. And then we start in Genesis, we're in the middle of Romans. If you look at the very end of the Bible, Revelation 20 and 21, last two chapters. John paints this picture of the, the final acts of all of this. That creation is made new. And in, a, in this way, it's, it's made into a city. And in this city, heaven comes down. And God lives in the midst of that city. There's no temple. We don't need a temple. God is in the presence of all these people that have been made New. We have this to look forward to, that God's going to recreate us, that God's going to recreate everything. And in a way we can't imagine, because we will be in his presence, as Paul says here, we'll witness the glory of God. So creation's not just sort of, well, that's nice, but it's not going to last. Creation is here to stay. But God's going to fulfill it. God's going to change it and make it what, it what it needs to be, to be eternal, just like he will for me and you. So if we think about it that way, the lesson this passage teaches us is that God is at work in all of creation. God's not just at work in my heart. God is at work to recreate me physically in the end with resurrection. God is at work to recreate all that he has made. See, it begins with Genesis, and then it's corrupted. We see that at work, and then it will be made new as we see it at the end of Revelation. God is at work in all of these steps. He has not stepped back and said, I hope that works out okay. He's active and present in all of it. Now, I think that gives us some responsibility. It changes the way that we see creation. I see three things that it gives us. First of all, it gives us a change in our understanding. How do we think about creation? It's not just disposable. It is God at work. It is a gift from God. It is something that God has made. Think about it this way. Have you ever made something? 
Maybe you're a woodworker, or maybe you do needlework, you sew, maybe it's a garden, maybe you build stuff, maybe it has to do with a car, I don't know what it is, but, but something that you've made, you draw, you're artistic, singing, musical, any of those things. Imagine that, something you've created, something you've done, you know, there's times when you just want to step back and look, right? Look at what I've done. And you just step back and you say, okay, that needs to be changed, or Man, I'm really proud of this. But then there's also times we take something that we've made, something that's a part of that, and we give it to someone else. Does it matter what they do with it? I think for most of us it does matter. I mean, we, we, we've made it. There's, there's something of me in this, and I'm going to give it to you, and I hope you enjoy it. I hope you appreciate it. I hope you can use it. And that's really what God's done for us. God has created this universe, created our world, and there is something of Him in it. And He has passed it off to us. And he said, take it and use it and be responsible with it. One of the words we use sometimes in church for this, and it's sort of a churchy word, but it's called stewardship. And we think about that in terms of money, right? God gives us money to take care of ourselves, our families. We use that money responsibly, but part of what we're called to do is to give part of that back to God. That's stewardship. Well, the way we treat the earth is also stewardship. Because God has given us this, so we take it and we use it, and we care for it the way that the Creator, God Himself, would care for it. So that's a change in our understanding, but I think we also need a change in our attitude. How do we look at this? What do we do with this? It's not just goods to be consumed. We don't just use it. We've been entrusted. We've got to take this and use it as responsibly as possible. Now, here's the challenge. How do we do this and just say, hey, I'm, I, am I going to just go hug a tree? You know, I mean, what do I do with this? What does this look like? I've got to think about this in a different way. I understand it differently, but now I've got to have a different attitude. This is something God made. This is something God is going to renew and make right in the end. So it matters how I treat it. And then finally, we need a change in action. And that's probably different for everybody in the room. What are some ways that we can treat creation responsibly? What can we do to take care of what God has given us? Rather than just using it for what we need. Maybe there's times we have to use it. God's given us resources. But how do we use those resources responsibly? How do we make it better? You know, for us as a family moving from the south, of course there's agriculture in the south, but when we moved here, it's, it's on a totally different scale. And, and one, of the time, one of the things that we've really enjoyed is, is seeing things grow on this scale. I mean, people using their effort, and then God sort of creating again in a way. God at work in that. That's a blessing to see that there is something of God in what He has created and God is active in providing for us 
Because people are at work stewarding what God has given. So what does that look like for you? Creation is longing for the children of God to be at work. How will you work? Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for creation. Thankful that you've blessed us with this planet on which we live. Thankful that you blessed us with the place on the planet that we live in. And God, we pray that you'll use us to be good stewards of what you've blessed us with. We care for something that's not really ours, it's yours. Because we love you and because it's yours. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The series is called Brand New, and we were thinking, we're thinking about the power of the gospel. And maybe this is a little different way to think about that, but God is also at work in you, and he's called you to a relationship. And the question for you today is, really is every day, how are you going to respond to that call? Maybe it's time to, to put your faith in him and be baptized in Jesus Christ so that your sins can be forgiven. You can live this life in the Spirit. Or maybe you're ready to be a member of our church. Love to talk with you about that. We're going to have a song. You can come forward and talk to me. Or maybe you want to catch me later and really sit down and think about what are the next steps for you. Maybe it is time for baptism, to be immersed into Christ, or for you to say, I want to be part of this body. Uh, If you're ready to make one of those decisions, we'd like to know about it now or a little later, let us know. Come forward as we stand and sing our, uh, our invitation.